Whether you operate one forklift or thousands, one location or hundreds, the new My Toyota customer portal can help you optimize your operation and material handling equipment. This one-stop, free-to-use platform is designed to help you take control of your information and make smarter decisions, all at the touch of a button. Register and access your data today at my.toyotaforklift.com. That's my.toyotaforklift.com. The New Warehouse Podcast, hosted by Kevin Lawton, is your source for insights and ideas from the distribution, transportation, and logistics industry. A new episode every Monday morning brings you the latest from industry experts and thought leaders. And now, here's Kevin. Hey, it's Kevin Lawton with the New Warehouse Podcast, bringing you a new episode today. Now, today's episode, I am going to be joined by Dennis Hong. He is the COO and co-founder at Pattern, and that's Pattern with a U, as you may be able to see if you're watching on video uh, in Dennis's background. But we're going to talk all about Pattern, how Dennis came up with the idea for Pattern and and his background a little bit, uh, and how it's led to kind of simplifying returns and also re-commerce for companies. So very interesting. Interesting and interested to dive into this and, and talk all about this this world of returns and re-commerce that they've created. So, Dennis, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, Kevin. Thanks for having me on today. I'm super excited to talk about a little bit about what we do here at Pattern. Definitely, definitely. Happy to get you on. Happy to to be able to to talk about this and, and learn more about this, especially when we talk about the the returns and, and re-commerce space becoming such a uh, hotter and hotter topic, I would say, as it becomes more and more of a, a bigger issue, uh, which we'll dive into a little bit. But I guess first, tell us a little bit about kind of your your background and how you came to, to found this company, Pattern. Yeah, sure. So Pattern honestly had an interesting start. Back in the early 2000s, my parents essentially opened up a small computer repair shop in Fort Worth, Texas. Mm. And eventually that business began to grow bigger and bigger to the point where they were partnering with large electronics and computer distributors. But the problem was that they never really had a system in place to help them effectively track costs and workflows on an idle level basis, right? Mm. Let's say, for example, a distributor sent them 10 laptops with all varying laptop conditions, right? One might have a broken screen, one might have a broken keyboard, yada, 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 right? They never really had a system to actually track costs on an item level basis. And they originally developed an internal system, but it never really worked out the way they wanted to. So my parents having a business, historically in Asian culture, the kids also go to work with the parents too, yeah. right? On the weekends, I would spend my time here. And during the summers, I would spend my time here. So I was working in the business ever since I was a kid, right? So Back in 2019, my brother Davis and I, who's also the CEO, we went to a small returns conference known as Consumer Returns Conference. This is where this is a conference where large retailers and brands get together to discuss anything related to returns and effective strategies for managing their returns. Uh, we were on the hunt for honestly software to help my parents' company. However, when trying to look for software, it didn't really exist on the market at all. There's no true end-to-end return software. There's only softwares that work on bits and pieces of their returns, but not the full kind of puzzle that we're looking for. Interesting. 
Companies that did develop a end-to-end return software typically kept it internal and they didn't really offer it to the public. Mm. So honestly, after that conference, my brothers and I literally said, hey, let's just try to develop it in-house. And essentially what we did was we wrote out every single problem that we experienced on a daily basis and we created a software to fully manage that whole process, right? And that's essentially where we came up with this idea of pattern. Pattern powers our returns and e-commerce business. Mm. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's interesting, and I've heard that before, where it's just kind of like bits and pieces that are being addressed, whether it's like on the internal processing side or the external consumer-facing side. So, I mean, tell us a little bit about kind of, you know, how... Well, I guess first, why don't don't you tell us, why do you think that traditionally that's been the way, like that there hasn't been that kind of end-to-end solution in the market? I think simply because there hasn't been a company that has effectively managed all the pieces all together, right? There's only been, there's only been companies managing the technology side, but the problem with returns is that it's very item-focused, right? It's a very item-focused industry and there hasn't been an effective way to manage, you know, the process of opening a box, inspecting it, and then trying to figure out what to do next, right? Mm-hmm. It's an item level, it's an item level process and you need a significant amount of manpower plus technology to manage that whole process. Mm-hmm. Right. Just because you don't really control what comes back to you. It's just it just depends on what the customer returns. Right. You'll never get ten of the same laptops or clothes or shoes or whatever category you're processing. It just really depends on what the customer returns, right? And this problem is super prevalent when it comes to big retailers, right? Big retailers just don't have the resources or allocations or softwares in place to effectively tra- effectively manage that. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think that's such a an interesting point too, because it, you know you mentioned there, you know, you don't really know what's going to come back or have control of that, right? I mean, when you're shipping things out, you have a little more control, you know, a little bit like what's what's going on, you know, in terms of demand and then forecasting and understanding, you know, frequency and, you know, maybe batching picks or, or things together of that nature to, to yeah. make that more efficient. But on the backside, you don't know, you know, which customer is going to decide they want to return, which customer is going to decide they don't want to return. Exactly, which, exactly. Yeah. Right. You have, exactly. Exactly. You have, you have, you know, you, the only thing that you really know is your returns rate, mm. right? So on average, 30% of what people buy is being returned, mm. right? That's, that's the average rate across everyone, right? So that could be, you know, it could be anything and everything, right? And with wildly flexible returns rates, right? I think some, some retailers, like, let's I'll just say it, like, for example, Nordstrom lets you return mm. an item in any condition, for your lifetime, right? And then Amazon makes it easy to where you can do it in night. You can essentially use an item for 89 days, right? And then return it on day 90 with no <laughs> questions asked, right? Yeah. So like they make it, they, they make returns. Every retailer and every brand makes returns so easy. And it makes sense. They want to keep their customers, right? Mm-hmm. But on the item side, right? They're still struggling. They're struggling to figure out what to do next. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that's, you know, it creates an issue on that, that processing side, right? Because you, you do have that situation where it's like, okay, we're making it very easy for the consumer. 
which makes sense. So we can retain those consumers, give them a good uh, experience with, with our brand or our company. But then how do we deal with like, you know, all the other things on the back end of that? So, so I guess tell us, you know, where does kind of pattern come into play there and, and what exactly it is that you guys do to help make those processes uh, easier and more simplified and I guess less of a, a challenge? Yeah, sure. So what we do is we work the majority of our customers are actually retailers and not so much on the brand side. Mm. So what retailers do is they send us, honestly, their returns inventory by the pallet or the truckload. Mm. And it's the pattern team job to sift through that inventory, inspect each item, add a license plate for tracking, and we help them essentially resell it across our marketplaces and channels. Interesting. So instead of, let's say, the retailer having to do all of that processing, we handle all the processing and we also handle the resale and storage of it as well and forward logistics. Interesting. So, so on your end, you're taking in all of the returns from traditionally a, a retailer, it sounds like, and, and then you're processing that, but not only are you processing it, but you're also then reselling it as well. Like how to talk to us a little bit about how that yeah, works. Yep. Yeah. 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 So that's kind of the, that's kind of what we describe as the resale magic, right? So a big coin term in our industry nowadays is re-commerce. And you see a lot of re-commerce players in the space. But for us, we essentially, we resell that inventory across a variety of marketplaces. So I can give you, for example, one of the marketplaces that we've created is a website that we describe as gender. And it's a women's fashion focused, it's a women's fashion focused, I guess, like, you know, online website, mm. right? So on average, the returns rate for fashion is still 30%, but the majority of the stuff that's being returned is 85% new. And 15% of it is maybe like, not in the, like maybe, it maybe have like a stain or something like that, but the majority of the stuff is brand new, mm. which is nice. And another thing that we use is we use existing marketplaces. Existing marketplaces like eBay and Poshmark are very, very powerful tools that I really don't think a lot of e-commerce players utilize. So for example, mm. on eBay, we became a top five seller when it comes to women's fashion and shoes. And on the Poshmark side, we're one of the only return software company in the world that's actually directly partnered with Poshmark to sell on their platform. Mm. Right? Just because on Poshmark, you're, it's more of a platform for smaller sellers that kind of want to get rid of their clothes in their closet. But for us, we are able to connect our system directly to their marketplace. So that way we can sell things as fast as we can. Hmm. Very interesting. And I, I love how you're, you're able to, to leverage these different marketplaces too. And I, I'm curious though, from like a, a retailer perspective, right? If they're sending you something, you know, I definitely get like, if they're sending you something that maybe is potentially damaged or has a stain or something, as you mentioned, but you know, things that are still new, I'm curious, like why would a retailer want to send something that's new to you to, to sell through a different marketplace instead of trying to process that and, and put that back out into their, their store? Sure. Right. So that's a great, that's a great question. And honestly, I, I really think it's simply because of returns volume. Mm. It's just the volume of stuff that they have to go through is simply not manageable, right? They're more, they're more concerned about their forward logistics than worrying about the, what you described as the reverse logistics, Right. These returns keep coming in, in, and in, and in, and um, a lot of times, 
like I said, there's a lot they're they're using five thousand different systems to manage each piece, right? And there hasn't been a single company that effectively says, "Hey, let me create an A to Z return software." And that, I think that's one of the reasons why. And number two is simply just demand power, right? Mm-hmm. Depending on the type of return, you know, like re- repairing a laptop is very different than you know refurbishing like a jacket. Right. And, you know, your big guys like your big guys like Amazon, they have millions and millions and millions of SKUs. Right. So what happens to those millions and millions of SKUs when it comes back to the, the one of the many thousands of Amazon warehouses? They palletize it and they, they just palletize all their returns and partner with companies like us to just get rid of it just because they, they just don't have the manpower to effectively manage it. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that makes a lot of sense because there's so much variability around it too, as well as we were talking about earlier. So being able to not only, I think, have that that manpower, but then also train that manpower on multiple different things. You mentioned, you know, millions of SKUs with, with Amazon or, or something like that, you know, can be a, a challenging thing to do. So uh, I'm curious on, in that aspect, like for you guys, you're, you're the ones kind of taking on this challenge, I guess, right. And, and dealing with this, this variability that these companies don't necessarily want to deal with or, or don't have the resources to deal with. So talk to us a little bit about kind of your, your processes and how you go about processing these returns, especially when there's, you know, it sounds like you're maybe receiving pallets full of, of random things. Like how, how do you go about that and how do you ensure that, you know, quality is, is maintained there and, and all the processing steps are, are being standardized and, and remain the same. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So what we found was that in returns you have to be, I think, I think you really have to be, focused on one specific category, right? So for example, we originally built our system with the intent to mainly focus on electronics, Mm. but we've actually pivoted from electronics and we've actually focused on fashion, exclusively exclusively women's fashion. Mm. And I'd say when it comes to processing, you know, the manual part of sifting through pallets is still going to be there, right? But what we did was any products that come into our warehouse, we essentially create an internal or unique profile to where it's as simple as inspecting the item real quick and adding it into our stock. It's as simple, it's as, simple as that. You're not going through and creating essentially a unique item every time. We're essentially using existing data that we've built over time and we're simply adding it into our system. Let's say, let's say for example, one of the retailers that we work with, we receive roughly, let's say three to four truckloads of women's shoes maybe let's say a week, right? We've, over time, we've built a large database of essentially every shoe brand that you can probably think of, right? So one of some of the biggest shoe brands that we work, that we have internally in our system is Skechers, Clarks, New Balance, you name it. We probably have every single model that has probably ever existed Mm. so far. And it's as simple as our staff taking that box, inspecting it, checking the size, and then adding it to our system immediately so that way we can sell. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious about that because there is so much like variability, but I guess when you're doing such, such volume, like you said, you're able to, you know, get all those styles and, and collect all that data over time and be able to to manage that. I'm, I'm curious, like what happens because, you know, one of the, 
challenges around returns, especially in, in fashion is that there's, you know, there's seasons and there's trends and styles and things go out of style or, you know, you get, you know, there's only certain times of the year that you could really, you know, sell bathing suits in certain parts of the, the country or certain aspects. So, so how do you guys deal with that where maybe you're potentially getting, you know, a bunch of winter jackets in the middle of the the summer or something, or, you know, how do you manage kind of that, that inventory and, you know, do you kind of hold it or do you do something else with it? I mean, how do you manage that aspect where yeah, that inventory yeah, yeah. runs out yeah, of life? That's yeah. A, yeah. That's honestly a great question. So it, at the end of the day, it just comes down to inventory strategy, right? Mm-hmm. So we really, so, you know, for example, you're going to sell more sandals, you're going to more, you're going to sell more sandals in the summer and you're going to sell more boots in the winter, right? That's just, that's just an yeah. obvious thing, right? Yeah. But what we do is we track everything on an idle mobile basis, right? So anything that isn't selling within some threshold mm. or internal days, right? Let's say an item sitting, been sitting there for over two years and hasn't moved, right? We'll go through, grab the item and we'll essentially li- liquidate our internal liquidations, if that makes sense, right? So we'll palletize it and we'll wholesale it just to, just to move it, just because whatever strategies that we try to get to move isn't working, we'll just liquidate it just to make it more space for inventory for the most part. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious about that because I mean, that's certainly a challenge. I mean, especially with fashion, as you mentioned, you know, sandals only really going to sell at one point Um, a year. Yeah. But to give you a perspective of our internal analytics, on average, as soon as we add an item into inventory, it has a sixty percent chance of selling within the first thirty days. Oh, nice. and that's how fast ba- and that's how fast we're moving items. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely good. Yeah, yeah, I was curious about that because you know I know that's I know that's one of the challenges for like the retailer too, right? Is like you know how quickly can we process something it, it to is. try and sell it again? Yeah, but it is, it is right, and the reason why a lot of retailers and brands are working with us. Is simply because, you know, us being very strong on eBay and Poshmark, mm. right? As soon as, as soon as we add a listing to Poshmark or eBay, I'm telling you, it, sell, it sells pretty, it sells pretty fast, right? And, you know, this is more prevalent for, you know, larger brands, right? Let's say if a brand is, you know, valued at, let's say if a, a brand is doing a hundred million in sales, you know, a year, right? Like obviously they'll sell more on eBay, right? But let's say if they're only doing like a million sales in a year, it's just not going to move. So it just really depends. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting how you're able to to leverage those different marketplaces and be able to to move that product pretty quickly, which I think, you know, a lot of brands or, or retailers struggle, struggle with a little bit trying to figure out how to, you know, not only process it to get it back into like uh, sellable inventory quickly, but then, you know, also how to, to move it within uh, the lifetime of, of that inventory kind of. So, you know, obviously returns and, and re-commerce is something that's, that's increasingly becoming a hotter topic and, you know, returns, the number of returns, it just continues to, to grow and grow and grow, especially as people, you know, get more comfortable utilizing online ordering and, and things of that nature. So I'm curious from your perspective, where, where do you think, you know, this problem of, of returns is kind of heading in the next couple years. And, and do you think that it'll come back and maybe, uh, cause we talked about, you know, you mentioned in there how, how easy it is for the consumer to return, right. Which is, which is kind of part of the, the root cause for the massive amounts of returns that there are. So, I mean, do you think that there will 
be a shift at some point where it might not be as easy to return to try and like reduce the amount of returns that are coming in or, or where do you think that's heading? I really think it's going to increase even if, you know, I think I read an article maybe like a couple weeks ago where they said that Amazon's going to start charging for returns right now, like a dollar, like a dollar or something like that. I I think customers are still going to really leverage that, right? Even if it is a dollar to return an item, right? They're still going to, they're still going to do it. I think the returns rate is going to increase, right? And in terms of e-commerce, right? um, A lot of brands nowadays are trying to create their own, I guess, quote unquote, personal secondhand website. But from my understanding, it's not really moving inventory that the way they want to, right? They, they'll create, they'll partner with a e-commerce company and that e-commerce company will essentially say, hey, let me create a pre-loved or used website for you. And then, but they'll only manage the the front end of the website, right? But when it comes to the actual inventory, they just have to do it themselves, right? And a lot of times they just don't want to do it themselves. They just want to send it. They want to send out the inventory and get rid of it. So that way it's just more space for them in their warehouse or whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen some of those pop up and uh, I think that, you know, it's, it's hard to, I think, get those to, to gain some, some traction, right? Because you, you at least, you know, with some of the marketplaces that are out there, like you mentioned the eBay and the Poshmark, right? At least, you know, you go on there as a consumer and there's a little more variety, I guess, if you're, you're kind of like shopping around and if you're going to like brand specific, like, you know, you know, eh, it's probably like, Slim pickings a little bit, I would imagine, right? Yeah, and to be honest, like I really don't like even even though these brands have their pre-loved websites or whatever it might be, they 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 have no way to actually navigate to these websites, right? They're not spending any they're not spending any money on leading customers to these pre-loved websites, even though they're building it out. Mm. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah, and it's almost like kind of. You know, does the the pre loved compete with like their their main shop? Too, yeah, exactly. And, right? like and, that. that, and that's exactly what they're concerned with. Just because they have a lot of, like I said, thirty percent of their inventory is going to be competing with the seventy percent of what they're selling online. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. Mm. Very interesting stuff from you here, Dennis, and, and definitely interesting to to learn about pattern and how this kind of grew from from electronics into fashion now, and and being able to address this problem out there around returns and and generating these these e commerce platforms and utilizing the marketplaces to to get this product that otherwise might you know sit around in a, a warehouse somewhere for for a while back out into the the market and and be able to to move that inventory so really appreciate you coming on and, and talking to us about this we can learn all about pattern if people are interested in in learning more about pattern and and your services what's the best way to do that yeah sure if they could just shoot me an email at dennis at pattern.io i'll i'll typically respond within the first day or if you connect with me on LinkedIn, it's just Dennis Hong. It's just a picture of me. And it should be it should it should be fairly easy to spot a an Asian guy just doing pallet sales. But other than that, those are the easiest <laughs> ways to connect with me. All right, great. And we'll definitely put all that information at the newwarehouse.com so people can easily find it. So Dennis, thank you once again for your time on the show today. You've been listening to the New Warehouse Podcast with Kevin Lawton. Subscribe and check us out online at thenewwarehouse.com.
Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want more content from the new warehouse, check out our new video series called All Hands on LinkedIn. Just search for the new warehouse on LinkedIn and follow along.